Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Daf As we study Maseches Yavama, Daf Kuf Yudalid. Very excited as we get uh, closer to the end of this incredible Masechta that we've actually spent uh, two years, more than two years on. I know some people recently joined this year, which is very interesting. Thanks for joining at the very end. A colloquial vote to you, and we're excited to have you, especially some people who learned Dafiomi, who are now trying to uh, join us for Daf Shavua as we study Masechus Yavamos, followed by Masechus Ksuvos Bezras Hashem. I left you hanging last week with the famous fires in Eretz Yisrael. And a general question, are you allowed to live with, uh, is a husband allowed to live with a wife without a ksuba? We spoke last week about the special ksuba that every local Orthodox rabbi has in his uh, files. A ksuba dirkesa for a couple that loses a ksuba, which is not so uncommon either because they totally can't uh, find it, and often it is found at a later point. Then you get to deal with the question of having two ksubos, but since they're different, not really a problem. And more often it happens after a move, which I, I'm telling, uh, I just told somebody who is moving um, in the weeks to come, please remember to take the ksuba, keep it separately, put it in an envelope, and it's really the responsibility of the woman of the home to know where the ksuba is at all times. A couple of questions came to me, and we're going to have to... I'll answer those questions before getting back to a little bit of the cheresh and chereshet and solving the fire question. We also have on this daf kufyodal, a very famous sugya, a very famous uh, discussion about whether you're allowed to give a child any child, even before the age of chinuch, before the age of uh, education, non-kosher food. The way it's presented on our daf is not necessarily the non-kosher food. That's the most common application, but really the issue of, are they allowed to do a prohibition? Are you allowed to cause them to do a prohibition? People are under the mistaken impression that as long as they haven't reached the age of chinuch, then yes, you could have them turn the lights on for you, for Shabbos, etc., this is a, a topic that's actually beyond the issue of chinuch. It may be a daraisa to put an iser in front of one's child, whatever the age. So I'm just dealing with that briefly. Now in the introduction, if we have enough time, I'll, which was unlikely, we'll deal with it at the end. You find this discussion in the Shulchan Aruch, in uh, Hilchus Shabbos, as well as in other places. The Rambam holds and this is the way the Shulchan Aruch Baskins, that even a dinder abanan. so for example, uh, chicken and milk, believe it or not, is not an isodaraisa, to have chicken and milk together. You cannot feed a child chicken and milk, because even a dinder abanan you cannot put in front of your child. Now, there are a lot of mystical explanations, especially when it comes to eating, but it's going to be the same when it comes to Chil Shabbos even if to have a kid turn on a light for you. Um, I was one time somewhere on vacation. There was, uh, you needed a fob in order to get into the gates of the place. And I saw some people, they were giving the child the fob to put. Now, what exactly is an isra with a fob? We, is it bona? Is it makabapatish? But either way, it's not allowed. And then the question comes up is, did I have the responsibility to give tochacha? P- 
people are under a false impression as well that there's no mitzvah of tochacha b'zman azeh. Now it's true that Chazal teach us that you can't give tochacha if people aren't going to listen to it. And there's a way to give tochacha. There's a way to give rebuke. And maybe today no one really knows how to give rebuke. But sometimes that's not true, right? Sometimes we don't just knock out uh, prohibitions or mitzvahs aseh from the Torah. I once heard Rabbi David Cohn uh, speak about this issue of specifically when it comes to Tochacha. He said it would be apikarsis. Sometimes you have to get to know the person first. You have to be friendly with the person. But just to say there's no mitzvah of Tochacha today, so this is common. What happens if uh, you have a non-Jewish nanny and the non-Jewish nanny is going out with uh, her friends to McDonald's and they bring along a little yonkel, a little sarala, it's not simple, right? You, you have to tell them. Now, that's not a question of tochacha. That's a, it's not a Jew. But that's a question of protecting your child from eating these types of foods. Now, again, there, you're not necessarily directly providing the isser, but then you attach oneself to the mystical reasons of why we shouldn't consume non-kosher foods with our children, which brings us back to Midrashim, even uh, with you needed Jewish nursemaids how does that apply could you have a non-Jewish nursemaid you know this goes back to the story with in the Chumash with a little Moshe Rabbeinu so there's a lot to be said about this topic it really could go wide and I said I'm not really going to talk about it but I did speak about it just so you have the basic uh, foundations now a question that came up to me and then we'll jump back to I want to say a little bit today about the Cheresh and Chareshes and then I want to answer our question about the lost ksuba, and we're going to use the uh, fire in the north of Israel as the uh, pretext for this conversation. But I mentioned last week in the shir, really is a throwaway line, that the reading of the ksuba is not really required. People ask me about that. What does that mean that's not required? Have you ever been at a wedding where they don't read the ksuba? So again, you know, you have a minhag that's established then it becomes the practice. But the purpose of the reading of the Ksuba at a chasana is not that everybody should understand or that the chasana and the college should understand what's in the Ksuba. The chasana has to understand what's in the Ksuba before it's signed. What happens at the chasana's tish, at least when Shalom Baum is when Sadi Kedushin, and you know, generally this is what happens, the rabbi explains to the chassan if he hasn't already done so at a previous meeting, which is really where this should be explained for the first time, that he's taking upon himself certain obligations. There's a Kenyan that takes place together with the witnesses. It's usually a Kenyan sudar with a handkerchief or with a pen, separate discussion. And the husband already has accepted those obligations before going under the chuppah. What's happening is the reading of the Yisubah became established as a minhag to create a hefzik, a break between the Aresin and the, the Aresin slash Kiddushin and the Nisuin. Because remember, this brings us back to earlier conversations, and I can't wait till we get to Mesechus Yisubah, and we're going to discuss this again, that originally there was the Aresin, the engagement. Again, Aresin and Kiddushin are used interchangeably that would be up to a year in advance of the chasana. Today, for a number of reasons, as we explained previously, we merge the two together. 
So it's true, there is Shiduchin, which is according to Rav, you get Malchus if you don't have a getting to know period. That's probably what our modern engagement is today. But the halachic engagement takes place, Tachas HaChuppah. It really has nothing to do with the Chuppah, because the Chuppah is for the second part of the marriage, which is the Nisuin. So in order to create a hefsik between the two, it became established to read the Ksuba. But technically, you don't need to read the Ksuba. Well, let's say you're at a wedding where people don't really understand anything that's going on. Maybe the rabbi's not going to read the entire Ksuba. If you go to Eretz Yisrael, where let's say the Ksuba of the, of the Rabbanut is much more complex and much more detailed, you'll have certain Rabbanim who don't read the entire Ksuba, every detail of it. That has nothing to do with the authenticity or the validity of the ksuba. The reading is there as a hefsik. Technically, you could read a poem at that point. But again, we have minhag, and minhag becomes uh, the practice of the reading of the ksuba. And again, it's good for the, definitely the Messiah Kedushin should know what he's reading, or else uh, you're going to be there a long time as he breaks his to- his. his Teeth. When I say Masada Kedushin, it's not always the Masada Kedushin who reads the Ksuba. But today it's usually considered to be a big cover that's given. You know, the Hustons family usually picks the Masada Kedushin. The Kalas family picks the person who reads the Ksuba. But technically, it is not the biggest cover. In America, it's become a big honor. Maybe it was like that in Europe also. It's a much bigger cover and responsibility to be one of the A-Day Kedushin probably even to get one of the Shabbat brachas, but it's really because of practical reasons, I believe, that it became Rabbanim to read the Ksuba, because you don't want to embarrass someone who's not an expert. You generally want the person who's reading the Ksuba, who's prepared a Ksuba before, so that he knows exactly what's inside, and that's going to impact the way you read the Ksuba, if you know what you're reading. It's very difficult to Aramaic. So that's the answer to that question. And now we have to get back. I want to do it briefly, since we're in the parak, talking about a cheresh and a chereshit, a little bit about that. And then we're going to get back to our lost ksuba situation. As we're about to finish this parak of a cheresh, and then we actually move on to another great parak, next parak, about the edus of a woman. So it's important to realize that even if we're in the days of Cheresh and Chereshet, or you're dealing with a Cheresh Chereshet today, who for some reason doesn't have the educational training, you know, is not in the proper place, and uh, to take advantage of all the advances, or maybe according to, we saw some of the opinions that were shown him, that it's an inherent condition, and it's kind of, uh, the person is stuck with it based on their status, so just like we try to take care of this chareshes, uh, let's say, in marriage, even if you call it the Rabbanan marriage, we also have to make sure that they're protected members of society. In fact, the mitzvah in Parshish Kedoshim, which says, you can't put a stumbling block in front of a blind person. And we know that's just a model. You can't put it in front of any person. And it goes beyond just putting a physical object. The pasuk there, is introduced by the prohibition of cursing a cheresh. So this is Perikiyot Test Pasuk Yedalit in Vayikra, Lo Sekal of Cheresh, Lo Tzniver Lo Tzitem Milchav Yereson Lachecha Ani Hashem. And if you look into the Rishonim on Chumash, Rashi says this is just the model. Ain Li El Cheresh Minayim Lerabos is Kolad. And Rashi asks the question, so he says if you have a pasuk in Chaf Beis, 
Kav Zayin of Shemos of not cursing anyone. Rabbi Yosef Bechor is one of the important Rishonim on Kumish on the Pasuk Yudtes of Vayikra, Pasuk Yudalad. He says, of course, this is the din with all of Israel, but we're going to give special protection to a Cherish and Hareshit, which means that there was some vulnerability, especially they don't hear the cursing that uh, people are saying about them, but then they could ultimately be taken advantage. And there are many other halachos that we have with the Cherish and the um, Hareshes. There is an interesting question <coughs> that is raised. We're not going to get too into it, but how about a minor Cherish and Hareshes? Do all the halachos of uh, not giving them non-kosher foods that we discussed uh, at the beginning of this year, and it's a big issue on this daf. And you see again the distinction between them just doing it on their own, a regular a regular child um, who's not in the cherish chayresh status, as opposed to putting it in front of them. And the assumption, as I understand it, this applies across the board. There is a uh, pre-megadim and others that discuss this issue. Now I want to just finish up that fire case with a, a few words of uh, looking at some of the rishonim and Dachrona. There was a uh, great Rishon, goes a little bit under the radar, who's called the Rashbash. The Rashbash is not the Rashba. The Rashbash is Rip Shlomo ben Rip Simeon Duran, who was uh, born in Algiers in 1400. His father is the author of the Tashbates. People mix up sometimes the Tashbates and the Rashbats. That's the same person, but then there's someone else called the Rashbash. Anyway, this is not the time for... Uh, explaining how these Russia Tevos emerged, but very interesting. So he discusses a question of, you know, there's a husband, when he gets married, he wants to be in control of everything. You know, that's how some men are, including the Ksuba, which means he wants to keep the Ksuba in his state or in his area. And uh, the Rashbash says, no way. He says, in this situation, it's not even clear that she would be able to stay with him. You understand? Because she has to have access to the ksuba. The ksuba is what allows them to stay together, which again raises the question, what happens if the ksuba ends up uh, being burnt? So he brings up that there's a machlokas, but the bottom line is they have to... It's the woman who's in, who's in charge of the ksuba. We explained last week the reasons for this. There's a tshuva uh, in the Lavush Mordechai, in Evan Ezra Madura Kama Simon Memtes. He raises a question of, again, this seemed to be an issue. And he says the Messiah Kedushin, sometimes at a wedding, there's so much pressure, he doesn't give the ksuba away, and the ksuba could end up getting lost at the wedding. We've seen such situations happen. Now, it doesn't mean that if a Hassan and Kala are going to a hotel, they have to take the tsuba with them, but she has to always know where it is. And therefore, he says clearly it should be given to her family. And then, you know, once she comes and settles into the house, it has to go back to um, her. Ramosha in the tshuva, Evan Ezra, Chelek Gimel, Sumachavav, this is just an incredible tshuva. He says that. Um, the woman has to keep it with her, but if he has such confidence that she's married to a man who would never hold back the tsuba, 
and would never um, say the ksuba was already paid for, then he could leave it with her. He, she could leave it with him. But she really has to have belief in him. Ramosha says if her belief is based on the fact that there's no way in the world this guy is ever going to divorce her, that's not enough, Nemanus. It's really incredible. How do you make that distinction? Um, but then Ramosha says she should be in control. And again, this is you know one of the things the Hassan and Kala are taught, the Ksuba, and it's a good idea for the Hassan to remind himself of the responsibilities of what's in the Ksuba. Now let's get to our fire case. And to get to the fire case, or any case of a lost ksuba, there's a very fascinating tshuva of Rav Sternbach. Rav Sternbach, Baruch Hashem, he's still living and knocking out Svarim. I think he's 96 years old. He should be strong. And he deals with this in at least two places that I'm aware of. First of all, in Shuvah Svanahogos, which is the name of a sefer, Krach Aleph, Simon Tufshin, Samach. And also in Krach Gimel, Simon Shins, Sadihei. Krach is a volume. I think they're up to number seven. Just as a side, the last crack that he came out with, even before COVID, he was talking about the need to vaccinate. Very important. And you'll find it in the back of uh, the latest volume. I think it was crack Zion. So he talks again about the woman having to be careful with the Ksuba in both of these situations. But he said that, you know, in Eretz Yisrael, and that was the fire case, there's a copy of the Ksuba that is left with the chassan and with, with, with the uh, rabbanut, right? I've done some weddings in Eretz Yisrael, and I actually went uh, in May, right before my daughter got married in Eretz Yisrael, to pick up the ksuba from the rabbanut, and they end up getting a copy. In fact, they actually write out the whole ksuba. They keep a copy, and then uh, they go to the Masada Kedushin, who I think then has to return a copy to them. So they end up with at least one copy. So you end up having two ksubos out there. Now it's important, Rav Sternbach points out, and this is dealing with another issue, that you can't have two ksubos. Because if you have two ksubos, there's the problem that this woman is going to take advantage and then she's going to end up collecting twice. There's a general issue when it comes to shtaros. So when you have a copy, because we have copies of contracts also, you just have to write and he says on every single page that it's a copy, and not with some erasable ink, you know, non-erasable ink. But he says, Bishas Hachak, he is masking to saying that at least temporarily, since the Ksuba is there in the Rabbanut, this guy is not going to pull any shenanigans. So even if it's not the original Ksuba, it's at least a proof. He's not going to pull any tricks, and if they get divorced, he's going to know that he has to pay up. Or in Almana, he's going to have to pay the estate. And that's enough of a basis for them to stay married, even without Aksuba. If you would, He wasn't dealing with the fire case, but if you deal with the fire case, this would be what, uh, and I think it isn't exactly what Rabbi Yosef and uh, Rabbi David Lau relied on to at least temporarily provide Aksuba for them. Now, Rabbi Yashif says a copy is not good enough. We have a Sefer, Ksuba Kilchas, so that's a very important sefer. There's also a, there's a seven-volume set of svarim, I think it's called Mishpatek Ksuba, which I don't own, that really deals with every issue of the Eon. Um, so if Sternbach says a copy is only a copy, it's not good enough to allow a couple to live together. So they would have to separate until the Ksuba could be rewritten, which again is not such a big deal, and any rabbi should be able to do it. What Rav Sternbach says is uh, the problem with, let's say, in South Africa, people don't even understand 
that they have to keep the ksuba. So ha- and that's probably why the Rabbah Nut has a copy, even in Kutzlaritz, even in Eretz Yisrael, because it, it offers protection for a couple that is not aware of the situation. Very interesting. And again, the job of the Masonic Kedushin is to make things very clear. But there are other reasons that you would be able to uh, stay together. And uh, you see in different shuvos a number of reasons that are given. So I just want to provide a few. I saw Rabbi Blythe in uh, Contemporary Halachic Problems. He deals with this lost suba. He said that what a husband should do is until they get together with the Rav to rewrite the suba, he should write that I owe you. He writes either a check to the woman, even if he doesn't have the money in the bank, but it's enough of a proof. He should write a check for thirty to forty thousand dollars. I mean, assuming that's the amount of exuba, which is more or less what it's worth today. And this way, he has a chov in his hand, a debt that is owed to her. Now, she doesn't have to go deposit the check, but it's clear that he has something over her, and he then hands her the check, and that becomes the proof. Until then, and again, this accomplishes that it shouldn't be easy in his eyes to take care of it and to, to divorce her and it also takes care of the second issue that uh, he she will have the proof as we discussed we also pointed out which some will rely on especially if you put all these together of their Ramah who the Ramah felt that a woman today who can't get divorced against her will is not going to need the Ksuba to feel protected not so worried about uh, the collection piece over here, according to the Ramah, but more about just being easily disposed, Shalom. So again, that was only before the Takana Rabbeinu Gershom, where a woman has now full rights to accept the divorce. And she's not going to be able to be divorced against her will one way or the other. And there are another number of other ways that one could uh, get around the issue. What happens with us today is... In America, it's a little bit trickier. The Rav, in general, does not keep a copy of a Ksuba. Maybe we should. You know, some of these Ksubas are so big, we don't keep a copy. So it's really up to the Kala to keep it. There's no centralized agency that uh, keeps Ksubas here. Maybe they should, like the RCA or the Besden of America. Um, So we really tell couples they can't live together. Now, they have other things to rely on. So let's say they're on a business, they're on a trip. Again, they don't have to take the ksuba with them. But let's say they remember, she says, oh, my God, I threw out the ksuba. And now I'm in Hawaii. Does she have to come back right away? So she should find a rabbi in Hawaii who should be able to take care of it. But if not, there's what to rely on to wait till you come back to Teaneck, New Jersey. Okay, Bezras Hashem, we're going to start a new parak next week. And we're getting closer and closer to the end of Masechus Yavamas. Have a great, great week. I apologize. I'm away. So if there's any noise in the background, I uh, hope it was not too much of a distraction.